0: Good morning. Last night, oh, sorry. Last night, I met with some of the survivors and the loved ones, the victims of the horrific mass shooting at Rob Elementary I came here to tell them that the United States Department of Justice has finished its critical incident review. In undertaking this review at the request of the then mayor, the Justice Department committed to using our expertise and independence assess the law enforcement response to the shooting and provide guidance moving forward. As I told families and survivors last night, the department's review concluded that a series of major failures, failures of leadership and tactics, communications and training and in preparedness were made by law enforcement lawyers and others responding to the mass shooting and Rob As a result, 33 students and three of their teachers, many of whom had been shot, were trapped in a room with an active shooter for over an hour as law enforcement officials remained outside. I also told the families and survivors how deeply sorry I am for the losses they suffered that day and for the losses they have suffered every day since. I told them that the priority for the Justice Department in preparing this report has been to honor the memories of those who were taken from them. And I told the families gathered last night what I hope is clear among the hundreds of pages and thousands of details in this report. Their loved ones deserve better. The law enforcement response at Rob Elementary School on May 24th, 2022, and the hours and days a failure that should not have happened. We hope to honor the victims and the survivors by working together to try to prevent anything like this from ever happening again, here or anywhere. I'm now going to turn to the key observations and recommendations of the report. On May 24, 2022 at 11.33 a.m., an active shooter wearing body armor and equipped with a high-power AR-15 rifle entered Robb Elementary School, and began shooting into classrooms 111 and 112, which shared a connecting door. Within minutes, 11 law enforcement officers from the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District and the Uvalde Police Department arrived inside the school. Hearing continued gunfire, five officers immediately advanced toward classrooms 111 and 112. Within seconds, shots were fired from inside the classroom, shrapnel hit two officers, and all responders retreated to cover. A single officer then made additional attempts to approach the classrooms, but after 11.40 a.m., no more attempts to enter the rooms were made until 12.48 p.m., more than an hour later. As a consequence of failed leadership, training, and policies, Injured and scared students and teachers remained trapped with the subject in the classrooms waiting to be rescued. Survivors later shared that they heard officers gathered outside the classrooms while they waited. The victims trapped in classroom 111 and 112 were waiting to be rescued at 1144 AM, approximately 10 minutes after officers first arrived When the subject fired another shot inside the classrooms, they were still waiting at 11:56 a.m. When an officer on the scene told law enforcement leaders that his wife, a teacher, was inside room 111 and 112, and had been shot, they were still waiting as broadcasts went out on officer radios that a student trapped inside rooms 111 and had called 911 at 12:10 p.m. To say that the officer was in a, that the student was in a room full of victims, that student stayed on the phone with 911 for 16 minutes. The victims were still waiting to be rescued when the subject fired four more shots inside the classrooms at 12.21 p.m., 49 minutes after officers arrived on the scene. And they were still waiting for another 27 minutes after that until, finally, officers entered the classroom and killed the subject. As the victims were trapped and waiting for help, many of their families were waiting outside the school, growing increasingly concerned about why law enforcement had not taken action to rescue their loved ones. Law enforcement officers from different agencies who had self-deployed to the scene in overwhelming numbers were themselves waiting for leadership decisions about how to proceed. Many officers reported that they did not know who, if anyone, was in charge, what they should do, or the status of the incident. Some officers were confused about why there was no attempt to confront the active shooter and rescue the children. Some officers believe the subject had already been killed or that law enforcement was in the room with the shooter. 75 minutes after the first officers arrived on scene, officers finally entered room 111. The subject engaged the entry room, entry team with gunfire and the officers responded with fire. 77 minutes after the first officers arrived on the scene, and after 45 rounds had been fired by the active shooter, the shooter was killed. The massacre at Robb Elementary shattered families throughout this community and devastated our, our country. 19 children and two teachers were killed. And untold numbers of students, teachers, and law enforcement officers law enforcement response to the mass shooting at Robb Elementary was a failure. As the threat posed to our country by mass shootings has grown and evolved over the past several decades, law enforcement's response tactics have also changed. The massacre at Columbine High School 25 years ago, and the 47 minutes it took for law enforcement to enter that high school, marked a major shift in how law enforcement leaders think about responding to mass shootings. It is now widely understood by law enforcement agencies across the country that in active shooter incidents, time is not on the side of law enforcement. Every second counts. And the priority of law enforcement must be to immediately enter the room and stop the shooter whatever weapons and tools officers have with them. That is the approach responding officers first employed when they arrived at Robb Elementary School. But within minutes of arriving inside the school, officials on scene transitioned from treating the scene as an active shooter situation to treating the shooter as a barricaded subject. This was the most significant failure. That failure meant that law enforcement officials prioritized the protracted evacuation of students and teachers in other classrooms, instead of immediately rescuing the victims trapped with the active shooter. It meant that officials spent time trying to negotiate with the subject, instead of entering the room and confronting him. It meant that officials asked for and waited for additional responders and equipment instead of following generally accepted active shooter practice and moving toward the shooter with the resources they had. It meant waiting for a set of keys to open the classroom door, which the report concludes was likely unlocked anyway. And it meant that the victims remained trapped with the shooter for more than an hour after the first officers arrived on scene. There are also other failures in leadership, command, and coordination. None of the law enforcement leaders at the scene established an incident command structure to provide timely direction, control, and coordination among the enormous number of responders who arrived on scene. This lack of a command structure, exacerbated by communication difficulties, contributed to confusion among responders about who was in charge and how they could help. These failures may also have been influenced by policy and training deficiencies at responding law enforcement agencies. Some lacked any active shooter training at all, some had inappropriate training, some lacked critical incident response training, and the vast majority had never trained together with different agencies. As Associate Attorney General Benita Gupta will discuss in further detail, and confusion that defined the law enforcement response while the shooter remained a threat also defined the aftermath of the shooting. For example, surviving victims, some with bullet wounds and other injuries, were put on buses without being brought to the attention of medics. Some families were told that their family members had survived, but they had not. And victims, families, and community members struggled Receiving timely and accurate information about what had occurred at Robb Elementary. The Justice Department's objective in preparing this report was threefold. First, to honor the victims, the survivors, and their loved ones. Second, to provide a clear and independent accounting of the law enforcement response to the horrific attack that devastated this community. And third, To provide law enforcement agencies and communities across the country with analysis and recommendations about how what happened at Uvalde should inform efforts to prepare themselves for and respond to mass shootings. Policing is a noble profession. It is also a hard one. It requires training and constant education about evolving threats. The report includes widely accepted recommendations that have been adopted by law enforcement agencies across the country about how to prepare for and respond to active shooter situations. Before an active shooter incident occurs, law enforcement agencies have a responsibility to ensure that their leaders and all their officers are trained to focus on rapid response. Trained that the first officers on the scene must focus on eliminating the threat protecting the victims most in danger. Law enforcement officers responding to an active shooter must be prepared to take charge, to establish a unified command, and to facilitate communications, operational coordination, and allocation and delivery of resources. They must continually assess and adjust as the incident evolves. And in the aftermath of a mass shooting, enforcement and government agencies must provide the public with a sense of trust and confidence by communicating openly clearly and compassionately during a time in which many are learning most devastating news that any human being can receive the victims and survivors of the mass shooting at rob elementary on may 24th 2022 First and foremost, the 19 children and their two teachers who were stolen from their loved ones should be here today. They never have, should have been targeted by a mass shooter. We must never forget the Shooters' heinous Act that day. And the victims and survivors should never have been trapped with that shooter for more than an hour as they waited for their rescue. The families of the and and conflicting communications about the status of their loved ones. This community deserved more than misinformation from officials during and after the attack. Responding officers here in Duvalde who also lo- lost loved ones and who still bear the emotional scars of that day deserve the kind of leadership and training that would have prepared them to do the work Our children deserve better than to grow up in a country where an 18 year old has easy access to a weapon that belongs on the battlefield, not in a classroom. And communities across the country and the law enforcement officers who protect them deserve better than to be forced to respond to one horrific mass shooting. And so it is a reality that every law enforcement agency in every community across the country must be prepared for. No community and no law enforcement agency should have to face that threat alone. That is why we came to Ubalde. And that is why we are releasing this report. The Justice Department remains committed to working in partnership with communities across the country and with the law enforcement agencies working to protect those communities every day. In particular, we stand ready to help communities and agencies prepare to respond to a terrible incident like the one that occurred here. We have concluded the department's review, but we know that the work of healing here in Uvalde is only beginning. We are humbled and grateful to stand with this community as you remember and honor your loved ones. I will now turn the podium over to Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta. Her leadership has been key to the department's efforts to conduct an independent, fair, and comprehensive review of the horrific mass shooting of May 24th and its aftermath. I am also grateful to the entire Critical Incident Review Team and the, to the department's COPS Office under the leadership of Hugh Clements for their tireless work. Benita.
1: Thank you, Mr. Attorney General. It is hard to look at the truth that the law enforcement response on May 24th was an unimaginable failure and that a lack of action by adults failed to protect children and their teachers. But we cannot look away from what happened here. We cannot look away from these children, and we cannot look away from what happened in Yobaldi. On May 24th, 2022, this community lost 19 beloved children and two cherished teachers at Robb Elementary School. In the days and weeks following, this community also lost a sense of faith and trust in their own neighbors and institutions as they tried to make sense of what happened on the 24th and were unable to get the answers they needed. During that time, the then mayor of Uvalde called me to ask the Justice Department to conduct an independent review of what had happened and what went wrong on May 24th and in the days that followed. Shortly after, the Justice Department began its review. The Attorney General just gave a sense of the detailed timeline that we have laid out and the cascading failures that occurred over the course of 77 minutes between when law enforcement arrived on the scene and when they finally entered the classroom. But we also know the pain and the failures and missteps did not end when law enforcement finally entered the classrooms and rescued the survivors. It continued at minute 78, when it became clear that because there was no leader There was no plan to triage the 35 victims in classrooms 111 and 112, many of whom had been shot. Victims were moved away without precautions. Without appropriate precautions, victims who had already passed away were taken to the hospital in ambulances, while children with bullet wounds were put on school buses without any medical attention. In the commotion, one adult victim was placed on a walkway, on the ground, outside to be attended to. She died there. The reunification and notification process for families was similarly chaotic, and as some of the families described, truly deeply painful. During and after the 77 minutes, families and survivors received unclear and sometimes conflicting information about where to go to reunite with their loved ones. Many family members waited at the school for hours without status updates not knowing where their children were, if they were safe or hurt or even alive. Families searching desperately for their loved ones were sent to different places all across town. The high school, the civic center, the hospital. Some of these details are gut-wrenching. Families hearing about the need for autopsy results as the first indications that their loved ones may not have survived. At one point, hours after the shooting, An official incorrectly told families waiting for their children at the Civic Center that an additional bus of survivors was coming. It did not. Inaccurate and inconsistent public communications, including social media posts and press conferences, only made things worse. At 12.06 p.m., law enforcement posted on Facebook, reassuring parents that, quote, students and staff are safe in the buildings, close quote. That false reassurance was never corrected. An hour later, law enforcement inaccurately posted on social media that the shooter was in custody. That post, too, was never corrected. Both impromptu and scheduled news conferences and media engagements contained inaccurate, incomplete, and at times conflicting information. Mirroring the failures of the law enforcement response, state and local agencies failed to coordinate leading to inaccurate and incomplete information being provided to anxious family and community members and the public. We also know the pain following a tragedy like this endures and that the support this community needs has often been missing. And we cannot talk about what happened at Robb Elementary School without reckoning with the fact that this tragedy took place somewhere all children should feel supported and cared for and safe. Our report documents missteps in school safety preparation that contributed to this tragedy, including that the campus safety plan was effectively a template and included security measures that were not even available at Rob. That there was a culture of complacency around locked door policies with interior and exterior doors routinely left unlocked. And that confusion over where to find a master key to unlock classroom doors contributed to the significant delay in entering classrooms 111 and 112. As I made clear last April when I came to Evalde to meet with families and as we reiterated to families last night, this report not only looked backwards but also identifies lessons learned and recommendations for other communities to prevent something like this from happening again. No law enforcement agency or community can assume that what happened here or in Newtown or in Parkland, or in Columbine, can't happen in their community. That is our reality. This report offers 273 recommendations for law enforcement agencies and other officials in every community. That includes a series of recommendations for law enforcement and government agencies preparing for and responding to mass shooting incidents and active shooter incidents as they occur. In the immediate aftermath of an active shooter incident, law enforcement leaders must continue to provide guidance and direction to all first responders, including triage planning to ensure that emergency personnel can access victims as soon as possible. Law enforcement and government officials must provide proactive, timely, and accurate information, notifications, and give community members as much information as appropriate at any given time to help avoid or mitigate rumors, uncertainty, and unnecessary worry. If an organization shares incorrect information with the public, it should be open about it and correct that mistake. In the days, weeks and years after a devastating attack, survivors, the family members of victims, community members, law enforcement and other first responders and their families should continue to be offered both immediate and ongoing trauma support. The Justice Department remains committed to the Uvalde community. Federal Victims of Crime Act formula funds are being used to support victim services in Uvalde and our Office for Victims of Crime is working with the state of Texas and the Uvalde community to complete the application for supplemental Justice Department funding that is gonna enable continuing services for victims, survivors, and their families. And through our COPS office, the department has also awarded the local school district substantial funding over the past two years through our school violence prevention program help this community continue to improve school safety and security before we started this review we consulted with the International Association of Chiefs of Police to build out a team of experts including several law enforcement leaders who have ably led their communities through mass violence events I am grateful to those leaders who lent their expertise to us and to our cops office team for their immense dedication and commitment Together, the review team's work included reviewing more than 14,000 pieces of data and documentation, including policies and procedures, training logs, body camera, and closed circuit television footage, photographs, and more. They made nine visits to Uvalde for a total of 54 days in this community. They conducted more than 260 interviews of individuals from more than 30 organizations and agencies, including responding law enforcement and survivors family members, victim services providers, and school and hospital staff. They travel throughout the country to review generally accepted practices in contemporary active shooter training courses. Other organizations and news outlets have documented parts of what happened on this horrific day. But all of this work has led to a Justice Department report that is both the most detailed and broadest in scope, looking beyond the immediate incident to include the communications, victim services and school safety aspects of this tragedy, as well as the post-incident response and investigation and pre-incident planning and preparation. The public demands a lot from law enforcement, and we often take their service for granted. Every day, police officers run towards danger to keep people safe. In Uvalde on May 24, 2022, that did not happen until far too late. Yuvalde is a community that is healing and getting clear on the facts is part of healing. So too are the beautiful, powerful murals all over this city commemorating each t- child and teacher killed on May 24th. And so too is enacting change in policies and practices to help make sure these failures do not happen again. While it took time for the Justice Department to examine the facts and put this report together, our commitment to the Yuvalde community does not end here. Through available funding, resources, victim services, technical assistance, and training, we will support Uvalde and communities across the country in their efforts to prevent and address violence. Just as we have looked back, we will look forward. We are committed to honoring the memories of the lives that were lost here by working to build a future where all of our children, their loved ones, and their teachers can feel cared for, supported, and protected. I will now pass this to Hugh Clements, the director of our COPS office.
2: Good morning, and thank you, Mr. Attorney General and Associate Gupta. I know that nothing can take away the pain suffered by the families, the survivors, and the entire Uvalde community. But I do know that the team at the COPS office has been driven to provide an authoritative accounting of everything that transpired at Rob Elementary on May 24th, as well as the events leading up to it and an examination of what happened afterward. As someone with 38 years of law enforcement experience, and 12 of those as chief of the Providence Police Department, I know the importance of having the right policies in place, the right training, and the right partnerships especially law enforcement partnerships with schools, communities, and other agencies, and first responders. This report stresses the importance of those working relationships and how invaluable they are, especially when there's a critical incident. Of course, no one ever thinks something like this is going to happen in their community until it does, which is why the recommendations we provide in this report are so critically important. Unfortunately, the review of the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School is not the first critical incident review that the cops office has conducted. But having done this before, we know the value of the information provided. that this was a
0: failure of leadership, and so all members of the leadership who who failed were identified. It also identifies individual officers by rank and by um, what agency they're from, but the standard practice of the Justice Department in these critical incident reviews is not to name those who are not uh, listed as at fault and particularly not to name those in lower um, um, ranks uh, who acted on the scene. (coughs)
2: I have two questions for Mr. Attorney General. your report here names Pete Arredondo and Mario Pagas as leaders um, in this incident that happened at Robb Elementary. Had they acted in a way that was put out as guidelines after the Columbine shooting, would lives have been saved on May 24th?
0: I think the report concludes that had Law enforcement agencies followed generally accepted practices in an active shooter situation and gone right after the shooter to stop him. Lives would have been saved and people
2: would have survived. My second question for you, sir. Based on this report, we know at this point no criminal charges have been filed against anyone who responded that day. Based on what you all found in this report, Should the Uvalde County District Attorney file any criminal charges for the law enforcement officers who responded that day? I'm
0: I'm gonna leave that question for the DA. um, Just to explain for everyone, the Justice Department only has criminal jurisdiction where federal crime has occurred. The shooter here is dead and there's no federal criminal jurisdiction. What we've done is responded to the mayor's request for that mayor's request for a critical incident response uh, examination to determine the manner in which the agencies responded and to provide recommendations for the future, and that's what we've done. Next
1: question, and um, Trivium.
0: Tribune. Tribune. Uh, Mr. Secretary-General, you identified one of the objectives of this analysis to provide law enforcement agencies with recommendations, and there are nearly 300. Uh, what, Which recommendations do you think law enforcement agencies should undertake immediately? What's the most urgent issues? So the most significant failure, and therefore the most significant uh, uh, thing for for law enforcement to do is active shooter training, which provides that when an active shooter is in a building or or anywhere else, the first priority is to stop that shooter and to remove people who are immediately uh, endangered by that shooter. And that requires tactical training. That's the first thing. Say the second thing is crit- critical incident response. Establishing who's going to be the on-site commander, making clear to all other agencies that that person will be the on-site commander. That again re- requires training and practice and response. Should
2: joint training be mandated across the country?
0: I'm not sure what the word mandated here uh, means. I think it's absolutely necessary that in uh, any, any circumstance where there's going to be more than one agency responding, and that's going to be in any school situation, all the possible agencies should train together uh, in order to establish uh, lines of communication, uh, command structure, and uh, communications structure in particular. Here, here, radios were not interactive. People did not have a way to talk to each other. Um, uh, and make sure that everybody's following the same strategy.
1: Um, last question, the leader again. Attorney General, some have suggested that our police response was typical for a mass shooting, in fact, even better than in many cases. And they used the Pulse nightclub event as a comparison. It took three hours to go in and put down that killer, and there were phone calls back and forth. How do you speak to that?
0: So actually, I'll let uh, Hugh talk about specifically about the Pulse nightclub, but I will say that what I've described and what the report describes is clearly the generally accepted response um, to an active shooter. This is We did a survey across the country, and the uh, experts who were involved in this examination are experts in exactly this subject of active shooter, and uh, there's no doubt that the standard practice is the one I've described, and I'm
2: going to let Hugh uh, answer that specifically. I would say, honestly, I don't know if that's entirely true. Uh, I will tell you this report is comprehensive, it's extensive. I urge you all to read it, uh, the executive sur- summary, all hundreds of pages. I will say there was a epic, uh, complete lack of leadership, unity of command. There was no incident command set up. That's not the case with uh, the Pulse nightclub. and uh, So in, in this particular one, in comparison, That is not entirely true and uh, the response was a failure of leadership.